Welcome to Between the Sheets with Nick and Steph, a raw and honest exploration of all things sex, love and relationships. Hello and welcome to this episode of Between the Sheets with Nick and Steph. I am Nick, your host, and I'm joined by my beautiful beloved Stephanie. Hello everyone. How are we guys? Um, so in this episode, we're gonna dive into a bit of a meaty topic. It's a it's an edgy one which comes up for you know pretty much most relationships at some point in the other, and this is a discrepancy in desire when we have one party of the relationship who has a different level of sexual desire than the other, which of course is just a normal thing to happen. But it's a challenge for a lot of us. Um, so we're going to dive into this. And it's, you know, this has been something that I've dealt with in previous relationships. And it's definitely something that comes up for Steph and I uh, from time to time as well. Um, so, it, yeah, let's, let's go here. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's an edgy one. It's an edgy one. Because... Um, you know, when we, particularly when we get together, often in relationship, at the beginning of a relationship, there's lots of fire, there's lots of passion, there's probably lots of sex. And then it may change, it may wane, it may adjust to, to a different sort of synchronicity and, um, and regularity, frequency. And, and of course, we're all different. We all have our different needs. We all have different ideas around what is okay, what is an okay frequency of sexual interaction and what's not okay. Um, where do you want to go with this? Well, what, what I think of when I think of desire discrepancy is almost like oh you know last week we talked about or last fortnight we talked about the cycle of a woman and yeah. how you know that's ever changing yeah. and i think desire is this ever fluctuating almost like the moon it waxes and it wanes yeah. and you can be completely in sync with your partner at times where you're both at times like okay not really feeling it not feeling sexual um and then other times when you know you're both full of desire at the yeah. same time. And then it can be completely opposite where, you know, what was it? Something like the other day you were like, I, I was really turned on and, and like all of a sudden, and I was like, oh, that was the last thing on my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like, it, it's um, ever changing yeah. and it doesn't always match up. And that can lead to, I guess, challenges. And especially when there are expectations on our partner to fulfill our all our sexual desires uh -huh. all uh -huh. our sexual needs yeah i think that's a big one and let's probably go there a little bit deeper a little bit later in the in the chat but um i think one thing is important is to is to recognize that it's it's not an issue you know it's not a problem and most of the time, when there is a discrepancy of desire, it's not a problem in the relationship. It's 
Uh, and I think a lot of people sort of get this feeling, get go into a bit of panic and go, okay, crap, we're not compatible. There is a problem in our relationship because we're not having the same amount of sex as we used to or because we have a difference in our, our level of desire and, um, and, and desire for frequency of sex. Um, and a lot of the time it's really just not a relationship problem at all. It's you know, we're two individuals. We're going through different phases in our life and we are fluctuating. There are things that happen. And sometimes you just don't, you're not interested. That's sexual erotic desire uh, is not alive at different periods in a person's life or in a person's month or in a person's week. (laughs) Um, So I think what's really, really important is that we we don't make it a problem when it doesn't need to be a problem Mm. and that we can actually talk about it, bring it up, have conversations around it and be open around our feelings about how this makes us feel. Mm. I think, you know, you're saying it's not a problem and, you know, my opinion is actually it can be for some people and, you know, some couples don't start off with the, you know, lots of desire and and sex at the start and then it wanes it's like some people actually have very um how do i put it their priorities around sex and intimacy and their desires for it are completely different and so if say someone wants to have sex once a month and someone wants to have sex once a day and that's their strong desire that really can lead to a problem do you not do you not well, agree? absolutely it can be it mm. can be absolutely but what i'm saying it's not always yeah you know? so it, it's it uh it doesn't have to be a problem mm-hmm. so it's more about okay if we have these differing um this discrepancy on our our drive our sex drive and our need for for sexual intimacy i think a big question to for, for each of us to, to enter into is, you know, what, why, what is sex for me? Mm. Uh, why do I want sex? Mm. And why do I want it so, so frequently or infrequently? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, uh, you know, there's a, definitely a lot of people that desire sex in order to get intimacy, in order to find a, a relief of tension and, uh, and to, to create a... Um, a positive experience which is contrary to the general feeling that mm. we've been feeling you know if we're feeling a bit dull or a bit upset or a bit miserable or a bit bored often people choose sex mm. as a way to find pleasure yeah and what comes to mind with that as well when you were saying it is Certain people with uh, compulsive sexual behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, some might... <laughs> sex addict is, is one word yeah. for it. I don't really prescribe to that. But it is like an addictive pattern. And it's it's this uh, sex as escapism almost. Yeah. Like, I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. So sex is a way of, of escaping that. Yeah. And, you know, people who want to have either masturbate or have sex multiple times a day. And it's uh-huh. not coming from a natural my energy is flowing this way Mm -hmm. and that's what i want to desire it's like a a have to otherwise Uh 
I will die. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, I think that's when it can definitely be an unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, the important questions for us to ask is, you know, what are my motivations for sex? Mm-hmm. And what am I seeking in, in, in the sexual encounter? Mm. And if that's coming from a fairly disempowered, unhealthy, compulsive motivation, clearly it's going to be an issue for us yeah. and it's going to be an issue in the relationship. Yeah. Because um, we're, we're not coming at it from that place of uh, fullness of, of health, of, of vitality. It's, mm. it's a need. It's something that we... It's a need coming from a place of lack. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's probably the first place to go if we, when we are having some level of desire discrepancy is, you know, asking, having those conversations with each other and with ourselves, what is my motivation for sex? Why do I desire sex? What, what do I get from it? And, and is that, is that healthy? Is that coming from a place of, of power? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I like how you said before about people look for sex for intimacy. And, and I think that one's really important because there are so many different ways of feeling intimate and close uh-huh. and connected and, um, yeah, in love, sharing love with your partner yeah. that don't need to be intercourse or even sexual in any way. Um, and I think that's something that not everyone really understands that that's possible. Yeah. And so it's like, I need to have sex in order to feel like skin on skin contact yeah. or to feel like they are present with me or whatever. So it's like, yeah, dig a little deeper and actually what am I craving right uh-huh. now? Maybe it's just presence and I could get that through eye gazing. Maybe it is sex that I want to get that from, but you know, are there, are there alternatives, especially when, it's not, you're not being met in desire by the other person, as in you have that discrepancy, you have that misalignment with your desire. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a, another question to, to ask ourselves is, you know, how do I create intimacy? What, mm. And recognising that... Yeah, intimacy doesn't equal sex, and sex doesn't always have to equal intimacy either. We can have sex which is not intimate, mm-hmm. and we can have intimacy which is absolutely not sexual. Yeah. Uh, the two things do not work hand in hand. Um, so that's, you know, if, if our desire is for intimacy, how do we create intimacy which may not necessarily have to be sexual? Mm. And how do we have a moment of intimacy... Um, which may or may not include arousal. Mm. It may or may not include uh, touch, but at least we can be close. At least we can have some level of intimacy. Um, And of course, some level of touch is always going to be beautiful. Mm. Um, But it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. Yeah. And if if this is an issue for us, you know, if if we don't have that desire, we can still be intimate. Mm. I think this is, uh, you know, this is one of the. I guess if we want to go into the solutions for the for the issue, mm. for the challenge is, you know, one of the solutions can be creating intimacy, have making sure we have those 
opportunities, those moments that we do actually share connection, share intimacy, mm. whether that is a deep conversation, whether that is sharing breath together, sharing eye contact, whether that is touch, gentle touch, just asking for what we desire yeah. in that moment, and whether it just be in a, a massage, a, a stroke of our hair, or whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, in that as well, you sometimes eros for both of you does naturally arise uh -huh. in that space of, okay, let's just no expectations. Let's just create this space together and having sex may be something that organically happens, uh, but there isn't the expectation behind it. That's the important point is that there's the expectation has gone. Mm. Yeah. So if we enter into some, some connection, some level of intimacy where we have some, expectation that it's going to turn into sex then for the person who may not necessarily be feeling sexual that can feel like pressure mm. and if if somebody feels pressured to do something they don't really feel want to uh, feel like they want to it's just not going to work in our favor yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work it's not going to work and you know no neither of us want to feel pressure this is such a hard one because uh, i mean this has i've had countless messages from people saying, you know, my partner doesn't want it. And, yeah. and it, by the way, this is not a gendered thing. There's yeah. this story in heterosexual <laughs> relationships that the, the man's always the one that's oh. begging the woman. And she, you know, is like, Oh no, I've got a headache tonight or whatever. It's <laughs> like that. That's so cliched, but it's definitely not the case. It goes both ways. And it's not as easy as like, okay, if you implement these, three steps then this desire discrepancy challenge in your relationship will be resolved and you'll all live happily ever after yeah. you know it may be very well that this is going to be something that you will it will continue for the the duration of your relationship yeah. and it's learning to work with it and really i think at the end of the day if it is if it is that much of an issue to you then maybe the relationship isn't for you really that's the that's quite a, an extreme outcome for it uh, but sometimes it, it might get to that point um, and that's something to you know are all the other things that I get from this person are they worth it if we're not met we're not meeting in desire mm. um, yeah yeah. That might be a little bit of a a downer. <laughs> but I mean that's the reality, really. Well, it's... yeah, of course, you know, the reality is that any any relationship may reach a point where it's no longer serving us and if that is the case then we need to we need to make decisions around that. And, yeah. Um it's uh but I think, you know, coming back to what I was talking about before, it may not be that it's a relationship problem. Yeah. It, yeah. That it that you know, lack of desire, lack of sexual frequency, lack of passion doesn't necessarily mean uh, that there's a relationship problem. The relationship could be great. It could be really, really working on all different levels except this area. Yeah. And it may be, you know, for a lot of people, that's going to be something we can easily live to, live, learn to live with. Yeah. And, and maybe not. 
Yeah. So of course it's 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 an individual thing. Mm. Um, but a lot of time, when I think one thing to to look at here is you know some of the reasons why our sexual desire, our our erotic life force may fluctuate, and uh, it's. It, it, there are obviously factors that can play can play a big part in in a fluctuation of our sexual desire and you know f- clearly stress is a big one mm. yeah if we are emotionally psychologically physically stressed in any way it can have an adverse effect on our uh, on our whole health and uh, particularly and definitely on our uh, um, our erotic nature mm-hmm. so if if one partner of the relationship is going through a particularly bad time or for one reason or another that can definitely be a cause for low sexual desire um, and like you mentioned you know different times of a woman's uh, menstrual cycle mm-hmm. there's going to be fluctuations in desire um that coincide with the cycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know for myself, and we've had this conversation before as well, where for me, if I'm feeling some level of stress or emotional disturbance, uh, sexual desire is the last thing mm. um, uh, uh, that's going on for me. It just dis- just isn't there. Yeah. Um, and you're the opposite in some ways. Yeah, it's like if life is feeling a bit shitty or yeah. you know things are feeling stressful it's like oh well we have sex you know so <laughs> <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel so um that's where we operate really yeah. differently yeah. um yeah one thing i wanted to bring up was there's this oh, i can't remember where i heard it there was something about this willingness yeah. You know, am I, oh, can you speak more about that? Cause I can't, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, totally. Totally. This is, uh, uh, the, having the willingness to be intimate. Yeah. The willingness to have sex. If we have the willingness to have sex, then we can, you know, like those days when you want to go, or, you know, you want to go, you should go to the gym and you feel like you're going to come out of the gym and you'll feel good. You know you're going to feel good. Yeah? But getting up, getting off your ass and getting yourself to the gym is just a bit of a challenge. <laughs> but in our mind, we know the outcome is going to be good. It's going to feel good. Yeah? So, if we've so we've got the willingness to get to the gym, even though the desire may not necessarily be there. So, it's like getting ourselves over that line, over the threshold of the gym, <laughs> doing the workout, and then we're like, "Awesome! I'm so glad I did that." Yeah. So often with a with a with a discrepancy in desire, it may not necessarily be that we don't want sex at all. It's just that getting over the line is the challenge. Mm. It's a transitional issue rather than a desire issue. Mm. It's that actually. Getting from the place of, I don't know, sitting on the couch to actually having sex. Mm. It's that place in between, which is the challenge. Mm. (laughs) It's that transition from sitting on the couch to having sex, which is the challenge. Um, But 
if we can look at us and ask ourselves, okay, do I actually have the willingness to have sex with this person? This is for people who don't have the desire and the other partner has the desire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do I have the willingness to have sex with this person? Can I imagine myself actually enjoying it if I got there? <laughs> and if the answer is yes to both of those, the odds are we just have a transitional issue. We just need to like get ourselves to the gym <laughs> and start, do something which has some level of intimacy and, and possibly some touch and possibly some, some pleasure. But it's just that little bit of push that we need to give ourselves in order to get there. I'm a little mortified that you <laughs> are comparing sex to the gym. Just, just, just go with the analogy, okay? <laughs> You're like, I needed something. <laughs> but yeah, no, and, and even though, you know, we have differing desires at certain times... Yeah. I definitely resonate with that. Um, I can't be bothered. You know, it's yeah. it's like the... Especially when you've been with someone for... I think it's... I noticed it particularly around the like 18-month, two-year time where it's like there's this shift and it's not like primarily you're not as passionate and juicy constantly, mm. you know, like in the early days. So there is this kind of like, yeah, I could have sex and that would be really nice or you know I could just read a book or <laughs> and it's weird it's like I never thought I would be that person yeah. and and when we do make love it's beautiful but there is this I, I yeah I do get that uh, that need to just kickstart yeah it's like just try just make space for yeah. it so people think that carving out time to be intimate with their partner is maybe a little unsexy and it's like, oh, you've got to plan it. But it's like, actually, yeah, you sometimes do. Yeah. You know, so, yes, it might spontaneously happen every now and then and maybe often, but there might be times where it's like, yeah, th this is um, this is when we're going to spend some time to be intimate together. Uh -huh. and, and yeah, who knows what's going to happen after that. For sure, mm. for sure. And, you know, when you're living together when you're in a long-term committed relationship which you may not be you may be in all sorts of different relationship styles but you know on a let's just talk about the the long-term committed relationship where you you see each other you're in each other's company a lot there's no doubt that it is inevitable that the the level of sexual desire the level of passion the level of fire between you is going to lesson it's gonna wane um so there's that that's not a bad thing yes there, and there are definitely things we can do to help inject a little bit of passion into the relationship yeah. and that's one of them is scheduling time you know making sure we have time together to to, to, to connect, to actually really connect, not just talk about work, not talk about the kids, not talk about the bills that need to be paid, not talk about any of that mundane bullshit, mm. but actually connect and have a date where we actually in, in, inquire about each other and we do something which is intimate, whether that is, yeah, like some of the things I described earlier, just some touch, some closeness. And also a really important part part of that as well is 
making sure we have distance, <laughs> mm. have separation. One of the big killers to passion is familiarity, is uh, being in each other's pocket all the time. And sameness. Sameness. Mm. Um, we need to create some level of polarity in order to spark that passionate fire at times. Mm. Yeah. And something I know for, for you and I, uh, currently at the moment, particularly because we're both heavily invested in our work and we, we do a lot of uh, work together and individually and we're you know, creating the festival, the Eros Festival, which is coming up in less than six weeks. So it's busy, busy time. Um, so we tend to be in fairly mind-oriented masculine order in our way of being yeah so we're doing a lot of uh yeah a lot of thinking a lot of planning a lot of organizing and that's just not sexy <laughs> it's just not fucking sexy let's face it what yeah spreadsheets <laughs> I, I think spreadsheets and <laughs> your lists and your yeah. spreadsheets oh, just aren't sexy my so darling good. i'm sorry to say um <laughs> But at the same time, it's not an issue. It's just, it's just, you know, that's great that we can work like that and we can do those things and we can work together. But we need to polarize in order to create sexual polarity. Mm. One of us needs to get out of the masculine <laughs> and into, into the feminine. And so we can have some level of polarity in, in our relationship. Yeah. And so we need to actually consciously do that most of the time you know yeah. it doesn't just happen there is an effort that is required mm. in order to go ah this is what we need to do yeah and it's not always easy no <laughs> <laughs> no but it's worth it yeah it's um and this is something that in your relationship i feel like it's something that can be become the elephant in the room and then shadowy behavior starts coming out. You know, when things go unspoken between you and, and one of you is trying to get your needs met mm -hmm. somehow. And, you know, I've had this in previous relationships where it's like, I'm going to try and try and seduce and get my need for sex met and then it not being met and then withholding and, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah, it just yeah. becomes this, yeah. you know, building resentment. So yeah. it can be become really unhealthy if it's not spoken about and just yeah brought into to uh, communication yeah, between you definitely yeah. it's such an important thing to to bring out into the open and have conversations around you know what what do we desire what is what sort of connections do we desire what do we what are our fears what are our hang-ups around uh around our sexual connection um and you know, if, if there is some issue, if there is some discrepancy, you know, having some conversations around that and how, how does it feel without making each other to blame? And I think this is really, really important is, you know, my sexual uh, interior, my sexual life is mine. It's not dependent on you hmm. and, and, and vice versa. You know, we, yes, we can meet there and sometimes we may not meet there, but my own sexual life is my own responsibility hmm. and uh, for, uh, can I say something yes. to that yeah. yes so 
this for me brings up self-pleasuring and yep. the importance of having your own pleasure practice or your own connection to your own body your own sexuality that has nothing to do with anyone else and this is something that recently has become really clear to me is that this when I have a desire to be intimate with Nick and maybe it's not met and sometimes I can shut that down sometimes I can go okay well that's not going to happen it's like actually how can I live this out with myself you know it's this I, I see it as a gateway into my own sexuality, my own pleasure. Uh-huh. And yeah, exploring um, exploring your own body when your partner doesn't want to and accepting your partner when they want to masturbate or self-pleasure. And I've heard of couples where masturbation is made wrong, you yeah. know. Um, it's almost like cheating, <laughs> the yeah. equivalent of yeah. cheating. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's innocent and it's, it's beautiful and, and it should be something that, in my opinion, that um, we all have a connection to our own body yeah, in that way. definitely. And, you know, we're not talking about quickly knocking one off. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. It's about really a, self, a practice of self-love, of, of making love to oneself. Yeah. And you know, experiencing all sorts of touch and pleasure, um, like you're, like you're touching yourself for the first time, like you're touching this amazing being for the first time and you're exploring how sensation can happen. So, and it may not even include your genitals. And I think this is an important thing is that your whole body is sensual. Your whole body is an erogenous zone and how can you explore sensation and pleasure and love with yourself? Mm. And through that process, cultivate and generate your own uh, arousal, your own sexual fire, um, without being dependent on your partner to do that for you. Mm. Uh, so here's a, this is another solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just almost forgot the other solution. Which is... <laughs> Uh, openness in relationships. Uh-huh. Um, to put it in the extreme way, a woman has a good relationship with her husband and, you know, she just doesn't like sex. She never has. There might be blockages there. Maybe she's not willing to work through those blockages, whatever it is. But once a year on their anniversary, that's all she really is open <laughs> to exploring the the husband on the other hand wants to uh have sex all the time he wants to feel close and intimate with his partner he wants to actually have sex with her is there space for an openness in their relationship you know i mean that's it's completely individual but that is a solution and i don't mean it's a hard one because it's like you know maybe you're just not addressing things in the relationship Uh but it might be something that you both agree on and feels really good for you both and you're like yep that's your thing you want to do with someone else I'm completely open to that that's fine I just don't want to do it um that works for people it really does it can for sure and you know you've opened up a a a whole other topic yeah, here, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we'll definitely bring in for an, uh, uh, an episode 
in the near future, I reckon this is because this is an important one, and I, something that I, and you know, we see a lot in our world is is varying levels of open relating and recognition that relationship does not necessarily have to be between two people. Um, it can be multiple people, and it can be uh, all sorts of different variations on that. And um, so there's there are possibilities and it's definitely something to to consider and i think you know even to the point of and this is this will go against a lot of people's idea of what monogamy is is this i uh, the possibility of being able to get some level of sexual gratification sexual contact with another you know that could even be uh, a massa a, a tantric masseuse or something like that it could be um, a sex worker it could be an intimate another intimate partner it could be casual encounters it could be even just being able to willingly consciously openly watch porn you know a lot of people are going to be opposed to their partners watching porn mm. And having that experience, or being, or that being something you share together, you know, there's all sorts of different ways in which we can explore and experience our, our sexuality, and our and our uh, and cultivate that and generate our, our own arousal. Mm. How open can we be to that? Mm. Yeah. And of course, there's no right or wrong in that. It's all about what works for you. Um, making sure you're doing something that you're okay with yeah i think it's just some people don't even know that that is a possibility yeah, for yeah. their relationship and they don't know that it's a possibility to do it in a consensual healthy way yeah so that's why i kind of wanted to bring that up yeah because yes it's not for everyone yeah. but it is an option and people do do it really well uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. and it could be really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do it and they don't do it so well. Yeah. Uh, we see a lot of drama in that world. Yeah. Anyway, but it's, it's definitely, yeah, it, it's an option. It's an option. Can you actually have a conversation around, ooh, can we open this up a little bit? Um, it's an edgy one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Good chat. <laughs> <laughs> that was a can of worms that I just opened so we'll just close that <laughs> yeah for next yeah. time for yeah. another time because yeah. it's definitely one I want to bring into and I think a, the idea of open relating polyamory is is a bit of a hot topic these days and a lot of people are making that choice to to have an alternate relationship style and maybe not always for the right reasons and so I think it's it's definitely an important topic to discuss mm-hmm. in a future episode for sure. So, so to sticky summa- mark that one. Yeah, yeah. Just want to summarize, I guess you know, with this desire discrepancy in a relationship, communication. Uh huh. Obviously, that's an important one. Uh, accepting that the other person is where they are at, not making them wrong for their desire or lack thereof. What else? Um, yeah, be, gosh, 
that is, I think, one of the big ones is, is really recognising that it's not a problem or it doesn't have to be a problem. And if, the more we make it a problem, the more the bigger the problem it's going to make, it's going to be. And the bigger the problem we make of it, the less likely we're going to have sex. It's really that simple. We're not, we, need, non, nobody wants, should be having sex when they really don't want to. And we want to make sure everybody's having fun consensually. And does just to assume that because you're in relationship that sex has to be consensual is absolutely bullshit. Um, there's a lot of people having non-consexual sex when they're in relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another point on that is that just because you're in relationship, that person does not owe you anything. They don't owe you sex. <laughs> mm. And uh, it's not something that is just a given. Yeah. And to expect that that person gives you sex or has sex with you just because you're in relationship with them and if it is, is yeah, that, that's not consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point to make. There's plenty of people having sex with partners that they really don't want to be doing and they just assume they should because it's their duty mm-hmm. uh, let's grow let's let's evolve beyond that one shall we mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and just wanted to remind everyone about the carving time out for intimacy uh-huh. as well and that being a really important one i just i think that's probably one of the most important ones yeah is create space to connect and that doesn't need to be sexual. Yeah. It may arise that way. It may not be. That's not the point. The point is to have your needs for connection and love and closeness with your partner met. Yeah. yeah. And being conscious of why you're create why you desire to create intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you looking for in this closeness? Yeah. Are you using your partner as a way to fulfill your own uh, emotional stress release and I think that's a big big issue for a lot of people that's your responsibility it's not theirs mm-hmm. yeah. um, so taking care of yourself and each other yeah beautiful so let's wrap this one up hey yes yeah great conversation Nick. yes thank you darling <laughs> thank you it's an edgy one huh I'm, I'm noticing just little bits of discomfort in my body as I'm talking about it myself so mm. it, it is an edgy one hey, oh, so man. please give us your comments give us your messages connect with us we'd really love to hear from you what do you want us to to talk about what do you want some answers to how would you like us to explore this with you so if you would like to connect with us, as always, on nicktovey.com, N-I-C-T-O-V-E-Y.com. And stephanie-curtis.com, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-C-U-R-T-I-S.com. Or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, same here. Facebook yes. and Instagram for me also. And we've got the Eros Festival coming up on the 24th and 25th of August in Sydney. Very exciting. Um, tickets are selling wonderfully. So it is going to 
looking like it will be a sellout event. So if you want to come along and have a full weekend of beautiful, juicy, explorative and expansive education and connection and celebration, come along. Erosfestival.com. Yes. (laughs) Have a beautiful day, everyone. See you guys. Love you. Thank you.